some point you make a choice about who you are and what you want. Hey, I'm Rue. I'm an addict. You're about to start a brand new chapter. Some new girl in town that I think you're going to be friends with. I'm Rue. I'm Jules. Suddenly, the whole world goes dark. And nothing else matters but the person standing in front of you. Casting. I'm Lisa Zambetti and I'm a casting director. I cast for television, film, video games, new media, all kinds of things. And I have cast more than my fair share of troubled teenagers, you know, teenagers who are deeply damaged and who are damaging those around them. So maybe that's why I am so into a little show on HBO called Euphoria because of its exquisite casting and and acting that I really feel is transformative in a lot of different ways. So I want to talk about that with my friend, Dean. Hey, Dean. Hey there, Lise. Uh, good to be back in the pod after a little bit of a hiatus. So it's nice to be uh, back in the saddle, so to speak. Absolutely. And, you know, when I want to talk about something like process, actor's process, there's really no one else that I should really be talking to except for a master teacher. And that's who I have with me today. Could you please introduce yourself? Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Dean. This is Terry Knickerbocker. That word master is very daunting. I'm a, I'm a former actor, former director, and I've been teaching for a long time now and also simultaneously coach a lot of A-list actors and and maybe B-list actors on their way to becoming A-list actors. And therefore, I need to watch a lot of content. And luckily, my accountant says that I can deduct all the subscriptions I have to Peacock and Paramount. Oh, yeah, and all that Because it's business stuff. So <laughs> it's a little bit, you know, my, my wife is a former actor and a therapist. And you can't just watch, it's like, a you know, LeBron James can't watch basketball and just pretend he's a civilian. So mm-hmm. I try to enjoy the work, but I'm also, it's really hard for me to watch bad work. And uh, I, I have to change the channel. I'm also a dad and I have a, a, th- a three going on four month old daughter and an eight year old son. I wow. live in Brooklyn and um, I love that show Euphoria. So I'm so glad we could talk about it because I, I ate it up when the first season came out. I was really starved for season two when the pandemic hit. So I was really, I loved what Sam Levinson did, who's the showrunner, um, with those special episodes focusing on Jules and and uh, Rue, those one hour deep dives, especially the work of Coleman Domingo in the conversation oh, yeah. Absolutely. with uh, Zendaya as Rue. And now, what a great season two. I mean, I, I can't figure out which character I love more because I really am into, they, they are very, the writers are very generous to these characters and they give them a lot to do. And um, my God, I mean, Eric Dane, a couple, a couple episodes ago when he went out to the bar and 
came back and had that incredible monologue in his home to his wife and his two kids. I mean, that was just like a 10 course meal for that actor. And, and, and I thought he hit a home run and, and there's been so much of that. And I'm really so into Angus Cloud as Fez. He's taken it to another level and God, I could just go on and on and, and Zendaya is crushing it. Yeah, so this was cast by the legendary uh, Mary Vernu and Jessica Kelly and a, what they call a street casting director named Jennifer Venditti. And Jennifer is who found um, Angus and who found Hunter. You know, they wanted uh, they wanted real people and they didn't want to only go with big stars. And, you know, that's just like the best thing that a producer or showrunner can say to a casting director is, I don't need names, you know, but let's focus on something else, some other kind of authenticity. Zendaya certainly is a huge name. I mean, she wasn't an obvious choice for this role of Rue, who, if you haven't watched the series, um, and you don't have to have watched the series to to enjoy our conversation, because I really want to get into process and and uh, what she's doing with her acting. But anyway, she was not the would be the first choice to come to mind to play this high schooler who is battling drug addiction actually she's not battling it at all she she's she's succumbing to it she's she's reveling in her addiction that she is supposed to be clean and is supposed to come out of rehab and in, in recovery but um she quickly starts using again and really the show is about her functioning as an addict and trying to hide it from everyone from her friends from her family and so the casting itself was just so interesting to me. And and actually, Terry, it's sort of sometimes very frustrating because producers will see actors like Angus and actors like Hunter and say, well, I, I want I don't want to cast any real actors in my in my film. You know, um, I want I want real people. And uh, that can be kind of frustrating because it's kind of a once in a blue moon thing that it actually works out. I don't yeah. know if that's been your experience and with your coaching or with, um, you know, in your, in your experience. Well, it makes me think Lisa about child actors. There was a film maybe 10 years ago called beasts of the Southern wild. I was just thinking that that's exactly right? coincident. Yes. They all, people now, always mention her. Yes. Now, that girl, they, they, they looked all over. This was an indie film shot in New Orleans or not New Orleans, but in, in, in the bayou in Louisiana. And they were looking for this young girl. They saw so many people. They found an extraordinary young girl. She's, you know, this African-American amazing for that part. But then you watch her in Annie because now she's got an agent and it's like, that doesn't work. And even though she has, you know, Jamie Foxx and, you know, lots of money in production, that film tanked mostly because she's not ready for that part because she's a kid. But when you find a child actor or to go with your idea of like someone who's not an actor, but is a real person, um, you know, you look at Henry Thomas and E.T., it's the same thing. Like that that YouTube video, if you haven't seen it, look up his audition. And it's just like, my God, you know why he get the part. He was perfect. He was perfect. Um, and has he worked since? Sure. But I think at a certain point, you know, training because I train actors is for when the acting gods don't smile on you. 
So sometimes you get a part and it's like, I get this part. I'm born to play this part. And Hunter is so good at Jules. I mean, like, just so good. And 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 the guy playing Fez, like all the, you know, like these are just, that's perfect casting and they're so good and they're so compelling and they really get it. What will fascinate me down the line once Euphoria ends is what happens next with those actors. Well, to your point, I mean, this is what I'm saying about Zendaya. You know, she was a child actor. You know, she she made her her bones on all kinds of Disney products. And so to see her turn and, you know, the theme of, of today is transform, you know, transformation yeah. and really turn down the dark road and this authenticity of this addicted kid. And and a lot of people have kind of thrown shade at the show for glamorizing addiction. I'm like, who the, f- what are the fuck are you watching? This is not a glamorized portrayal of addiction whatsoever. It is so stripped down and just, just Dark. really raw, really, really raw. Yeah. And I want to specifically talk to you, Terry, about episode five. The first 15 minutes, and this isn't a spoiler because anybody who's watched the show knows that there's a reckoning coming with uh, her character of Rue who keeps getting high, taking drugs, no matter that she's going to Narcotics Anonymous, no matter that she's going to school, you know, she's she's just taking and taking and using and using. And finally, you know, there's a reckoning and there's an intervention. And so episode five, the first 15 minutes of the episode is her absolutely being confronted with her addiction. But the first five minutes is a very specific scene between Zendaya, Storm Reed, who plays her little sister, and Nika King, who plays her mother. These three have this scene that is part scripted, part improvised. And it had to have been one of the most breathtaking six minutes of acting that I've ever seen. I mean, the what what Zendaya does is is shifting back and forth between being feral and suicidal and bullying. I mean, she's just going back and forth because she's desperate to get her drug. She's desperate yeah. to get out of this confrontation uh, with her her mother and her sister. And it was just... I mean, I, I was really affected by it. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. No, what I what I really loved about that scene and then the reveal that Hunter was there, that Jules was in the room listening to the whole thing, which is like the rug gets pulled out from under not only Zendaya, but, but us as an audience, was her use of her body mm-hmm. and the incredible generosity that she had and just how the set design, I mean, like her breaking down the door, yeah. feral is the perfect word for it. And, and the other piece in this and, you know, is she also doesn't just need the drug. She needs the suitcase because she's been threatened by the drug dealer. <laughs> Such a funny casting yeah. with the woman from baskets, yeah. basically doing the same thing she does in baskets. You know, it's kind of okay. weird. Okay. Huh? She's the weirdest drug dealer I've ever seen in my life, I, but, but it's funny. But she said, if you don't pay me back, I'm going to have you kidnapped by bad people who are going to do bad things to you. And so you're also connected to the danger of she doesn't just she doesn't just need to fix because she's withdrawing. She's in terrible trouble 
Because if she doesn't get that suitcase back and sell some drugs, which of course she's not going to do because all she wants to do is use, you start to worry the way she's worried that she's not going to live till tomorrow. And so it's all about survival. And I just thought it was so generous, so raw, so mean, Mm -hmm. so charming. So, you know, she's lying. She's doing whatever she can. Talk about playing an objective. She's doing whatever she can to solve the problem. Yeah. Whether that means bullying, as you said, threatening, begging, blowing the door down, being mean, being hurtful, being suicidal by any means necessary. And what's most impressive is how all in to me, how all in she and everyone else is. I mean, the other cast, you know, obviously it's, it's Rue's scene, but for Storm and Nika to go where they go with her and be on the receiving end of all that stuff and take every step with her and never get out of character. I think it's like, I think it's a continuous shot. There's not a lot of cutting that happens in that scene. I, what I, I keep feeling about the whole show is it is so made with generosity. The filmmakers are generous. The actors are generous. The, the, the music on that show is insane, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's just made, I think with a lot of love and authenticity. So I, I love, and, and you know, what's so interesting for me, cause I watched Zendaya cause I love what you're doing is that she also you know, because she does like a lot of fashion. I see her in like TV commercials and she's very glamorous and stuff. And she's, there's something sophisticated about her. And she's also, you know, I was reading about her and she gives a lot of money to causes and charities and stuff. She's, um, she's captured the innocence of a high schooler. So she's in these very grown up situations, but you also believe that she's kind of figuring out her identity as someone who's queer her identity as a black young woman, her identity as someone whose dad is dead and, and the innocent. Sometimes you see the woman and the warrior and sometimes you see this lost child and she goes to all those places. And I just, I'm obsessed with just like you. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And I love what you said about her, you know, her real and her real Zendaya persona is very glamorous. And yet in this, she is so stripped down and she is androgynous in a way that I feel is very authentic to my, my my kids are in high school. Um, It it feels very authentic to the kids that I see them hanging around with. So I'm just, I know Dean, I don't know if Dean, Dean hasn't watched Euphoria, I don't think. What? You're fired. Yes, I know. Sadly, um, uh, it's uh, hence our uh, enforced break uh, away from the pod recording has been because it's been insane. However, my adult, my twenty-something adult children uh, have been watching it and are watching it, so I'm getting all the buzz about it and very keen to get to it. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to enter the pod with that one in yet. So uh, it's okay. it's it's on the top of my list to get to, but not quite yet. Terry, while I've got you, you mentioned something earlier before about casting and about being the exact right role at the time. And you were talking about child actors, but it reminded me of something that I read about you. And it was a story you were telling about when you cast, I think it was one of your good friends in a role that you thought was perfect for him, but it didn't work out. Can you just quickly tell that story? Because I thought it was fascinating. Well, God bless you for your research, Dean. In an earlier incarnation. research is all I got, Terry. That I got, yeah, that's I got all, no that's all good. That's all he's good. <laughs> it's got to be all research. And, and bone structure, my friend. I can, I, you know, <laughs> you look good there. 
I fell into directing. I was acting. I studied with uh, an amazing teacher who studied with Sanford Meisner, William Esper, who died a couple of years ago, but was my mentor. And I went there to act. I got an, I accidentally fell into directing. My first wife uh, wrote a play and a, a very important sort of experimental director here in New York named Ann Bogart, who was Anne, I know Anne. I studied with yeah. her for years. Yes. Yeah. So Anne was my teacher at NYU. And then I did about oh. nine or 10 projects with her as an actor and wow. um, before the CT company. So, way, be, you know, sort of in an earlier time of her life. And she was supposed sure. to direct this play. And then she got another play at like uh, Santa Fe Opera and uh, an opera. And so, and we were supposed to do this play at the Women's Project at the American Place Theater, which is a good, you know, off-off Broadway theater in New York. So I got that gig. It got really good reviews. And then I got this like grant to, from the Drama League of New York for their emerging directors. And all of a sudden I was a director and the culmination of that was to direct a one-act play sort of for people in the industry, mostly meaning regional theater artistic directors would come to New York looking for people to do their things in their season. So I had a play by Maria Irene Fornes, who's a a Cuban uh, director, a wonderful gay Cuban director. So it's it's a play called Fred and Fina, a very obscure play. And it called for a husband and a wife and like this guy who had an affair with, with Fina. And I love this particular actor who I went to school with. It's just a brilliant actor is my favorite actor you know if you take acting class usually there's someone in class that you're just like jealous of you love them you get inspired by them and and that's what this guy was and I knew he could play the part of Fred so he came in he crushed the audition you know and it was great and you know it was equity auditions and there was a casting director working for it it was a whole thing but when I was looking for Fina the Fina that I found was a, an actress named Alma Cuervo. Alma Cuervo went to Yale with Meryl Streep. And the word on the street back then was, if you think Meryl Streep was good, Alma Cuervo wiped the floor with her at Yale. But she happened to be um, Latinx and not really so commercial. So she really never had the kinds of opportunities that Meryl had, not that Meryl doesn't deserve everything she got, but Alma was the real deal. So then I did what I think you, Lisa, would call nowadays a chemistry read, but it was really just a callback, but putting actors together. Um, So not just to call them back for the part, but also to see how they, so I was doing a lot of mixing and matching and like send people in and out. And when my friend was reading with Alma, he came across more like her son, than her husband and that was just kind of about type and about size because Alma was big and this fellow was smaller Alma was older he was younger and so for the sake of the story as much as I wanted this guy to play the part because he was so good it wouldn't have served the story and so I I couldn't give him the part and I was able to tell him why because a lot of times actors who don't get the part they don't even find out they don't get feedback And so I ended up casting another guy named Stephen Rao, who's a wonderful actor, but older. He went to Juilliard and was probably 10 years older than this other fellow. And it just made more sense for the story. Mm. So a lot of times you'll get a great actor 
do a great audition, but if it's not right for the story for whatever reason, it's usually not that you don't get the part because you are terrible. It's because you're too old, too young, too ethnic, not ethnic enough, whatever the vibe is. You know? what, what, what impressed me about the story, Terry, and why I wanted to, the listeners to hear it was that in spite of, the, for me as an outsider, you, you're telling a story, this guy's perfect, it's absolutely perfect for the role, but then in the production, you still had the discipline to say, well, as much as he's a good friend, as much as I love him and admire him, it, it, for the sake of the production, it, it can't happen. And that that's that takes, I think that takes courage and it takes uh, you know, you, you've got you've got to put the the production above all else, which was really interesting. The other thing that you just mentioned was the other point I wanted to bring up, and and you've said that sometimes people uh, that well, sometimes actors don't know why they don't get the role, but you never know where it ends. And there's the story that you told um also about Duncan Jones and and Sam yeah. Rockwell, which is a classic. Can you just quickly, like in 60 sure. seconds, just tell that one? That's I'll do that's my best. So Duncan story. Jones, who's David Bowie's son, um, Sam Rockwell, who I've been working together, we've been working for 30 years. We're actually going to work later on this week. He's getting ready to do Remount, which never got to Broadway, um, American Buffalo, oh, wow. um, with Lawrence Fishburne and Darren Chris which was supposed to open the week of the pandemic. They were about to go in previews and then now it's going to be two years later and it's coming back and they're getting back into rehearsal. So Sam's an old friend. He was also my best man at my wedding and we were, we've done a lot of work together and Sam auditioned. He doesn't audition much these days. He's reached that level, but he auditioned for Duncan Jones for something and didn't get it and thought that was it. Two years later, Duncan Jones reaches out to Sam's agent, who's the amazing Rhonda Price at Gersh. She's oh, yes. really a very special. She's legendary. <laughs> she's great. And she really believes in talent. And she's not just there for the 10%. And she's a genius. Reached out to Rhonda and said, I've written a movie for Sam. And it was based on that audition. And the movie was Moon, which, if you haven't seen it, is a very special indie sci-fi yeah. film. It's amazing. Where Sam plays Absolutely like... Amazing six different versions of himself. It's about cloning. Oh. And, um, it's an, it's basically Sam. Um, Kevin Spacey's voice is on it. And uh, uh, Dominique, the oh, Canadian actor, British guy, I'm, I'm forgetting her name, Elegot, is, is, plays the young daughter, I think, um, of him back on earth. But, but basically it's Sam um, playing a guy named Sam and who's who's stuck in space on this space station and so what's the the moral of that this isn't 60 seconds so i'm sorry about that dean but the moral of that is you never know where where the bread you cast upon the waters is going to go he put something in a room and it stayed with duncan jones that he wrote a movie for him right and it just wasn't right for that project but he saw something in sam that inspired him so much and two years later that came out. And, and that's, that's really cool how karma and this business works. Cause you know, it's a little tricky to say Kevin Spacey's name these days, but one of the quotes I love from him is you're not really auditioning for the job. You're auditioning for the next job. And so when you go into a room, you do your thing and then that's it, it's done. And you move on and you don't wait for the phone to ring. You know, that way you're not so disappointed and hopefully you have a lot of auditions. And if you keep putting that out there, the word's going to get around that you do good work. 
I totally agree. And it's very hard for actors to hear that. And really it's kind of cold comfort to them, but you know, obviously someone of Samuel Jackson's stature, you know, he's, he's worked a lot, but for the other yeoman actor, it's very, very hard for them to know that they have been seen, that we do see you and we do, you know, really value every time you come in and you've worked so hard on this audition. And, you know, I cast material that is incredibly difficult where you're playing the worst kind of victim of the worst kind of whatever. And, you know, I have actresses who have come in for me 10, 11, 12, 13 times to play somebody who's been terrorized and they have to bring it every single time. And it, it it's so painful, but, but when you do, when you are the choice, we cheer for you, you know, we're so excited. And you, as actors, you just have to know that you are planting those seeds. You are sowing those seeds and you don't know how, where they're going to sprout up. But um, if you, if you have the long game uh, in mind, then I do believe that they will, it will grow towards you if, if you are around long enough. But also, Lisa, they're going to remember when you waste their time and they're going to remember, you know, if you're not nice to the, the secretary or the person in craft services, you can be sure that they're going to be directing your next film and they're going to remember Oh, you know, yeah. so it's really important that you establish just going back to this idea of brand that like you're a hard worker, like you show up, you're off book, you've done your work, you're not rude, you're not disorganized, like you show up ready, don't waste people's time. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. 